Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Everyone, I hope you're here with MMAfighting.com here with a special Monday edition of the A Side Live Chat here. Now, not with me is PT Carroll. He's doing Eurobash, so Alexander K. Lee uh, is joining us instead. Uh, we had two more guests this week. Last week, we had Shorty Torres and uh, Ashley Evan Smith, who talked about their fights falling out recently due to the coronavirus. But this week, we have two fighters who have fights coming up, and their fights are still on as of right now. We have Anthony Lionheart-Smith, who main events uh, UFC Lincoln against Glover Teixeira, and of course, Mackenzie Dern fights on the prelim- preliminary card. So, Mackenzie, I'll start with you, because ladies first, uh, <laughs> how have you been dealing with the situation uh, taking over this world right now? Your fight is still happening as of right now. We haven't heard anything, but pretty much every fight up to your fight has been canceled. So, uh, for you, as a mother, a new mom, uh, how, how has life been? amid the chaos right now yeah i mean thankfully um i mean my daughter she's not in school yet so she's been coming to the academy with me um since she was little now we try to just keep her at home my husband he's a a surfer so the same thing at least here in california he can still go to the beach so he goes surfs i stay at home with moa he comes back home then i go to training and the only thing like it's hard is just because it's a lot of one-on-one just me my coach no one else there you know and it's kind of hard to do like the sparrings and stuff but my dad just came now from arizona to help me train jiu-jitsu my kind of groundwork so i mean we're we're training you know of, of course it's not the best um you know the best camp and everything that we wish we could have to prepare for a fight but you know we're here this is our job you know and ready and just hope everyone stays stay safe you know we want to try and get this over with as fast as possible so just work home homework uh we have like a little outside area i'm doing workouts there um a lot of ladder agility work and then back at home and staying safe and any same question for you you're actually preparing for a five-round fight and now your camp is probably a lot more minimized with less contact with less training partners a lot of gyms are being closed alex did write that article on some some gyms in milwaukee i believe actually please came in and shut it down so uh what's been like life been with you how, how have you been dealing with this coronavirus in the middle of fight camp uh you know to be honest the only thing that's really changed for me is my travels back and forth between Kansas City and Denver. Um, I, I, I'm really fortunate, man. I, I have like a, a real cool little triangle situation between Omaha, Nebraska, Kansas City, uh, and Denver. So now I'm just kind of, I'm in Omaha, but it, it's my same team, you know, like nothing's really changed for me as far as training at home. So um, my team here in Nebraska is pretty small anyways, as far as like the pros and my team. So it's, it's the same like eight, nine, ten guys that I train with all the time anyways. You know, my, my longtime jiu-jitsu coach that I've been with from white belt through black belt uh, is here. I've had this same boxing coach for ten years. Like, nothing's really changed for me, you know. And 
you know, and unfortunately, like, you know, like with Mackenzie, like she's in a, in a different area where it's it's a lot crazier. Like here, we're in the Midwest and we're kind of small town gangsters anyway. So we just <laughs> we're just shaking and moving and, and doing the same things that we normally do. It's a lot less uh, like the open classes are small, you know, like there's not it's not like a lot of traffic through the gym. But the team situation is for the most part the same. Mackenzie, I'll, I'll ask you this. We asked Ashton when she was on last week if the UFC had been um, in contact with her. And she actually flew to London, landed, and then she had to fly back because her fight was canceled. So has the UFC been in contact with you at all? Like, were you, like, giving you updates on your fight happening? Or have you reached out to figure out if this, if your fight was still happening later in April? Yeah, I mean, I talked with my manager, just asking him. And the UFC, too, they send me emails and just okay and so so far like if you have any um symptoms and that type of thing to let them know um and just what you guys heard to you you know like that the i think the next three events were canceled um so far the ferguson and khabib fight is still happening so um you know we're just prepared in case they want to move our fight to a different different country or something you know but hopefully we'll be done by them but they've been sending emails and keeping up, updated on everything so same for you too i would imagine Anthony. yeah yeah you know uh dana and, and hunter both reached out um i mean they, I, i've been out 10 months and, and and coming off of two surgeries so so they understand this it's not just the financial part of it like if ring rust is a thing uh it, like if it is a thing we need to i need to run back out there so that i'm not you know so i'm not i'm not out 12 13 14 months so Dana just reached out and, and wanted us to know that, you know, if anything happened with my family or if there was anything that the UFC could do to help us or or whatever that, that they would have, that they would make sure it was taken care of, uh, and wanted to let me know not to take my foot off the gas. He said he knows that I'm uh, we're, we're about to. I'm sure Mackenzie's in the same spot. Like we're at that point, we're going to start turning the corner to start peaking. Uh, and he doesn't yeah. want he doesn't he doesn't want me to pull my foot off the gas. He said, you know, <laughs> in a in a curse word laced rant like this is happening. Uh, keep my foot on the gas uh, and he'll, and let him figure the rest out. And honestly, man, I I've never had a reason not to believe or trust Dana, and, and I'm not going to start now. That's for sure. Uh, guys, I wanted to ask if you watched the uh, UFC Brasilia show. And kind of got an idea of how, you know, these fights might look uh, in the future because, you know, fighting in front of nobody. So both did you guys watch that show? And also uh, kind of what's the strangest uh, atmosphere you've ever fought in, whether it's in, you know, uh, MMA, Jiu-Jitsu, Mackenzie, you know, any any other competition? Uh, Mackenzie, can you, can you go first? Yeah, I saw the fights, you know, I think it's, I mean, I guess it could, what I, for me watching it, you know, I said like, man, it seems kind of like a sparring, you know, just at, at the academy, you know, there's not like really all these people, you know, trying to coat, like yelling and all that adrenaline. It's just kind of like you and your other training partners. And it's almost worse um, at sparring, you know, because you, we train with each other every day. So they like all your weaknesses and your training partners, they kind of really know how to push you to your limits, you know? So I watching it, I was like, oh, you know, like, okay. So maybe it'll just kind of be like one more day in the gym and just, you know, that adrenaline at the gym, you know, where you're like, oh, man, my training partner, he always knows that I, I go to the wrong side and everything or something like that. So but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think just be prepared and I'm excited, you know, I this kind of the same thing. You know, I, I had my baby and I was out, <laughs> for, you know, 
there from fighting. And now since October was my last fight, it's almost like a pregnancy again, you know, just how much time I've been out from the ring, you know, actually fighting. And I've, of course, I've been training and everything, but, you know, just ready to be back inside of there. I'm trying, I've been trying to talk to them like, hey, you know, I want to get back in and fighting as soon as possible. You know, like I don't want to take so much time off from being in the ring, you know, actually competing because it really is different than when you're just training outside. So as long as it happens or, you know, and everything goes good, um, I'm excited if there's people or no people. You know, we're ready to put on a show. That's what we train for. So. Yeah. And Anthony, what did you think of seeing that empty, that kind of weird empty arena situation? Listen, guys, I, I again, I think you guys, a lot of you guys have heard the stories of, of some of the places I fought. Uh, an empty arena would not be the weirdest place I've ever fought. <laughs> I mean, I fought in strip clubs and bowling alleys and farms <laughs> and just all sorts of crazy places. You know, so. Like when I started in the Midwest, this game wasn't, it wasn't nearly where it is now, you know, like it's definitely blown up locally, but like in 2006, this, it was the wild, wild West around here. Uh, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty much like McKenzie, as long as it happens, I'm good with it. You know, like I've been in this game a long time. I've, I've run into a lot crazier situations than empty. Uh, now for the, you who do watch the show we actually answer a lot of fan questions questions uh fans send in for this we've had a lot of we we scour the we scour twitter we scour our site for anything so uh casey our director has a few teed up uh casey if you want to tee any of them up right now for mackenzie or anthony i know mackenzie is short on time she has to get back to training plus so we'll try and do some of these rapid fire ones for you guys whoa from kuko time commenter says how is everyone keeping themselves busy during this outbreak so i would imagine anthony and mckenzie are both in fight camp so i'll i'll pose it to you this way how are you guys doing outside of fight like normally i would imagine in camp you want to cool off sometimes and take some time away from the gym but when you are secluded in quarantine you don't get to do that mckenzie on. so i'll start with her too so i assume you have other responsibilities outside of fighting so how's life outside of fighting for you during this quarantine <laughs> yeah i mean just taking care of all the responsibilities you know at home you know get the house cleaned up you know make sure we have um you know breakfast lunch and dinner ready <laughs> everything's all good um so it's good it's actually like at least for me i like to do like that organizing thing you know i think it's more like of course there are guys that are organized but girls like to do that stuff too you know decorating and everything so i'm doing all that type of stuff <laughs> Anthony, what about you? What are you doing to get your mind off of? Uh, maybe you want to take a break from concentrating about your Glover, Glover to share uh, main event, uh, but must be hard to do during a pandemic sweeping the nation. Yeah, it's kind of tough. Uh, well, I got three, you know, I got three daughters. Yeah. Uh, and the, my youngest is only two, so she's not in school anyways, but the older two uh, are out of school. So we spend the majority of our free time driving my wife absolutely crazy. Uh, you know, like, you know how it is, like you get little kids pent up in the house. So we're just trying to find ways to, to let them burn off energy, whether it's going on walks and walking the dogs and, you know, the crazy crafting stuff that they like to do. So honestly, I just spend a lot of time with my family. You know, it's been kind of kind of a blessing that I've been able to be home more during this training camp. Uh, so I just been spending a lot of time at home. And Anthony, how do you explain it to your your old your two older daughters? I know Emma can't know you've got a daughter as well, but she's probably too young to really know that how crazy yeah. this all is. <laughs> Anthony, you got, you got two older who probably understand more. Uh, what do you what have you been saying to them? 
Uh, my oldest is starting to understand it a little more that, that, you know, there's a lot of people that are getting sick and, and we kind of need to just everyone hang out at their own houses and hang with their own friends uh, and their own family uh, in small groups so that everyone doesn't get sick. Uh, my middle is she's almost six. So she's really upset that she can't go to school. So like she can't, she can't quite understand why she can't go play with her friends. And like they had presentations and stuff that they were supposed to do. And, and uh. so she's, she's super disappointed and you know, she misses her friends at school. So she doesn't, she's like, well, why can't they just feel better? And then we just go back to school. So she doesn't quite, she doesn't quite get it. Uh, but I, I think like it's kind of always on the TV too, you know. Like you're like it doesn't matter what you're watching. It's always something on and talking about it. So they just ask a lot of questions, trying to understand. I think she'd get along well with Dana White. I think she, you know I like that attitude of why can't people just get better and uh, and, and get back to business. I think Dana White feels the same way. It's, hey, why is everyone? You know, what's the big deal? Why can't we all just kind of find a way to to get all the healthy people in? And again, hopefully for you guys, you do get the fight. But uh, yeah, it looks like she's got that Dana White mentality. That's solid. That's a good place to be. <laughs> So I'll suppose to you this, a lot of high-level athletes have daughters in the UFC. Why are all of these high-level MMA fighters blessed with so many daughters? John Jones has a lot. And you said you had a uh, three of them yourself. So what is, like, what is it with MMA fighters' genes and having daughters? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man. You know, it's, it's like this thing that goes around the gyms all the time. It, it's like this weird folklore that, that like, if you're a wrestler – or you're like a high-level jujitsu guy or girl, or you're like a, you know a fighter. Like everybody has daughters. Like there's not that many of us that have sons. I don't understand it. Uh, like if you kind of scour like a group of a hundred wrestlers or a hundred fighters that have kids, I I bet like ninety percent of them are girls. I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like what from what I heard, I don't know if it's true. It could be like totally fake. But what I heard is that like um, a lot of fighters. Um, and just like wrestlers and jiu-jitsu fighters, like um, during their camps and stuff, they just release a lot of um, testosterone, testosterone. And um, then like, like if they went conceiving and all those things, you know, um, then ends up having more chance of having a girl. But I don't know, it could be totally not true, but that's just what I heard from multiple people. But who knows, you know, just how, how hard, how hard all the guys train and everything, you know. I I thought I heard that the guys are the ones that choose the the like their genes are ones that choose the the sex if it's a girl or or boy. But I don't know. I just think it's so crazy. Most of the fighters may end up having like girls, and then they are like, oh shoot, <laughs> now they have to take care of the boyfriends coming. <laughs> sure. And so in ten to fifteen years, we see a lot. We see a new new crop of female MMA and jujitsu practitioners uh, coming down the. <laughs> Uh, Casey, what's our next question we got for our two fighters? <clears throat> mm -hmm. ah. <laughs> a user called, I wish I could train at TriStar. TV series to pass the time. In this unique situation, we find ourselves in which television, are you, which television series are you watching? For me, it's Billion, seasons one to four, the latest West. So, Mackenzie, I don't know how much television you watch with a, with a, young, with a young daughter. So, but if you do watch television, what are you doing? What are you watching to pass the time? <laughs> um or we watch like one of her tv shows <laughs> that's like words party it's like a little you know dancing one or we watch um big brother you know i they have big brother i think all over the world but we, yeah, we yeah. watch big brother brazil you know so it's <laughs> it's really right now my husband he's all excited too and we're watching it so <laughs> that's what we watch anthony same question what are you doing what are you watching if you are watching anything at all 
well, you know, I, I, I'm in a house full of girls, so it's a lot of it's a lot of kids shows and and uh, chick flicks. So uh, my wife and I watch Grey's Anatomy, uh, oh. and uh, I think we're just now caught up on the last season of uh, How to Get Away with Murder, which is also another chick flick. Uh, I think that's it right now. I think that's Grey's Anatomy and How to Get Away with Murder. <laughs> Alex, what about yourself? Because everyone, you know, I don't. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, you know, I don't watch a lot of TV. I'll just tell people, hey, while you're on, you know, while people are on uh, quarantine, to watch, uh, watch the Good Place on Netflix if you've never watched it before. All the all the seasons are on there except the latest one, and it's kind of about accountability and people being nice to each other, which I think is what we need during this time. So it's from the guy who did like Brooklyn Nine Nine and uh, Parks and Rec. I know people love those shows. So I'd say watch The Good Place. I'm kind of rewatching it while, I'm, while I have time. But uh, also, you know, just keeping up with the news, making up the news, keeping up with what's going on with our fighters, you know. Um, so it's definitely, definitely a lot to watch, a lot to keep up with. Really, news is probably the hottest, hottest show on right now. For sure. Yeah. Like and Anthony, actually, I have a question for you. This just popped in my head. We're talking about the UFC Brasilia fight. And I'll ask you this, McKenzie, before you have to go. Uh, we saw a fight between Gilbert Burns and Damian Maya, uh, and Gilbert Burns said it was going to be a passing of the guard, uh, so to speak. And I know Alex was kind of talking about this off camera, uh, but it was a knockout. So, what did you make make of this? As someone with your background, high level, a multiple time championships, and everyone respects Damian Maya, but was it really a passing of the guard between Gilbert Burns and Damian Maya? Since it if if it didn't end in a submission. That that Durian would submit that Durian would submit Damien? Is that what you mean? Yes. He said that if, if he planned uh, Gilbert Burns said he wanted to submit Damien Maya and then he would become the, the the he would become the one that people would point to that has have the best jujitsu in the UFC. But it ended in a knockout, not a submission. Yeah, yeah. So what did you make of this? Yeah, I mean I like I was so excited to see this fight, you know. I I I've known them for since I'm a little girl, you know. I grew up with them and just watching them, they're good friends of mine. Um, so I was really excited to see kind of just these top athletes, um, jiu-jitsu fighters fighting each other, you know, with punches and kicks and everything. Um, I always knew that Duryo he has uh, like strong hands, and I've seen him knock out people before. Um, but I mean, like in my opinion, and I think in the very beginning of the fight, you know, um, Damian Maya was already on his back, you know, and of course he was able to get out everything. But it's a very different style of, of jujitsu. So I mean, I think if he didn't get the knockout, um, I think Damian would do like a good show on the ground, you know. But Duryo is so good. I I don't think it would be easy for Damian. I don't think there'd be a submission. I think Duryo is so tough and ha has such good jujitsu that he would be able to get out. But I think he would find some um, hard situations on the ground but um i think like Dunion, just the hands you know his hands are so strong and just hit the right spot so that's why it's good you know to be like a jiu-jitsu fighter but have people respect your hands too you know anthony same question what did you make of uh that performance and can we really call this a passing of the guard if it didn't end in the submission uh no you know I don't know if it's a passing of the guard per se, where Gilbert's going to take the position as the, the best jiu-jitsu fighter in the UFC. Uh, he very well may be, but I don't think in this situation you can really that really comes into play. You know, obviously I'm I'm you know I'm friends with Gilbert Burns. He was on my my team for the quintet. Uh, there's a reason he was on my team for the quintet. You know, uh, he's he's good. He's really good. And 
I think that their jujitsu styles are, are, are very, very different. I think that, you know, if this was a sport jujitsu match, I think Damian Maya probably wins the match. Uh, but I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with McKenzie. I don't think that there, there is going to be a submission. You know, I think positionally Damian Maya is just better at getting to some of those dominant positions and holding them. Uh, so, you know, in the end, I think Damian would score more points if that's the kind of match that they were having, but Gilbert's just more well-rounded. You know, I, this isn't like the, you know, I think the passing of like, say Ben Ashkren was the younger guy and he was able to ground out Damian Maya in their fight. I think that would be more of a passing of the guard situation because their, their skill sets are very similar on their, on their, uh, but Gil, Gilbert is so well-rounded, so powerful, explosive and, and, Positionally in MMA jiu-jitsu, which is very different than Pepper jiu-jitsu, um, I think it does have some better positions. But uh, honestly, I was just kind of sad to see Damian kind of get put down like that. I'm, I'm such a big Damian Maya fan for so long, and and I'm I was obviously obviously I'm happy for my friend, you know, because that's a huge opportunity that Gilbert had uh, and a huge win. He was able to get the bonus. You know, I think that rocketed him into the like close to the top five in the division. So, I mean, I'm really happy for him, but at the same time, you know, it, it, it's sad to see one of the one of the trailblazers of our sport, you know, and I come from a jiu-jitsu background, so it's, it's tough to watch someone that you look up to for so long like, go down like that, but at the same time, Gilbert's more in my age range and kind of my generation, so, you know, we kind of got to get ours too. So as far as passing the guard, uh, I, I don't think so, uh, but definitely a huge opportunity and, and, and cash-in moment for Gilbert. I want to say, uh, Anthony, you didn't fare too badly at uh, Quintet. This was in December, right? You, you did all right. I think you, you bowed to a couple of draws, which is very respectable. Uh, I don't know, Mackenzie, if you got to see Anthony, but his, I believe his matches are on Fight Pass. So, Mackenzie, if you haven't seen him, maybe you can watch Anthony. Yeah. Fight. Maybe give him some pointers. Uh, <laughs> we can't offer any advice, but I'm saying I think Mackenzie obviously is so experienced. And uh, I think, you know, that'd be very cool if uh, maybe maybe help, help Anthony out. You know, he's... Uh, <laughs> Oh, I can take all the. I'll take all the help I can get. You know, I, I thought the quintet thing was really cool. It uh, would have been really cool if Mackenzie would have been able to do it too, because uh, I would have had her on my team. Uh, right. Yeah, of course, she can't be. They gonna have another one? I think so. I think so. I think they're planning on doing it uh, a couple times a year. But it it was so much fun, and it was really it was fun for me to to be able to show the world and 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 like the rest of the fighters that I'm not just the the knockout guy like I, I've always been pegged as the well I've always been pegged as the striker and I but I've never called myself a striker I've been a jiu-jitsu uh a jiu-jitsu fighter my entire career just happens to be I got I got heavy hands and, and that's how a lot of my fights have gone uh but I, it was it was a lot of fun and, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to like you know the media covering it a little bit more and 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 just keep growing that platform because it was really fun <laughs> Did you watch? Did you watch the quintet this past one? Did you like the team format, like Team UFC versus Team Strike Force versus Team Pride and everything? I, I didn't get to see it. I didn't get to see it, but I heard about it, and I I thought that was a cool idea. You know, I thought it was really cool, um, but I didn't get to watch it, so I don't know. I don't know how it went, really, how the fights were and everything. <laughs> Well, before I let you go, I know you were short on time. Is there anything else you want to tell the uh, the live audience or our listeners uh, before we before you sign off? Oh, just thank you guys for having me. You know, it's always fun to talk and everything. And um, I'm glad that we were able to, you know, get this in since everyone's on quarantine. Everyone stay safe. Um, keep your exercises going. 
you know, thank you everyone for the support. Hopefully this fight will happen. You'll see Lincoln um, or you'll see anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it can be any place, but we'll do it, you know. So um, just praying for everyone and just all the best. Thank you, guys. Well, thank you so much, Mikhail. We'll have thank to have you, you on. After. If, hopefully your fight still happens, but again, hopefully any UFC. But thank you so much for joining us, Mackenzie. Thank you. Thank you, guys. See you, see you soon, Mackenzie. Bye. Yeah. See you. <laughs> Thanks, Mackenzie. Yeah, for anyone joining us, that was uh, we just had Mackenzie Darren on, who's fighting the 25th. Anthony Smith also hopefully fighting in the main event on April 25th. Uh, and so, I have, yeah. I have a question about Quintet. Uh, me and my cameraman were talking about this. When we were reading the rules, it said there were no leg locks. But I believe Sugar Sean was submitted with a leg lock, wasn't he, by Hector Lombard? Yeah, there was no, there was no heel hooks. There was no heel hooks, so it, it wasn't just blanketed uh, leg locks. There was no, there was no heel hooks. There was no, uh, no twisters. Um, and and there, there was a handful of other, <clears throat> excuse me, other submissions that that weren't allowed. But you could straight ankle locks were okay. Uh, I believe toe holds were okay, but I, I think it was really just based on uh, on no heel hooks. Was the unfortunate? Um, obviously, it was unfortunate about what happened with Cub Swanson. But watching that, would it um, would it deter you from competing in more stuff like that? Considering like he's out for now a long time. Like there were rumors that I guess he was in a fight. Uh, I can't remember. He, he there was supposedly a fight lined up that people that he said that he can no longer compete in. But with after witnessing that. Does it deter you maybe moving forward from competing in more quintet stuff? No, no, not at all. You know, these are, I mean, these are situations of positions that we end up in every day anyways in the gym. Um, I didn't, I didn't compete any harder in the quintet event uh, than I do, excuse me, that I do every day in the gym with my jujitsu team and my, my training partners anyways. Uh, I think that there is a couple things that we could do as far as the rules uh, for Quintet, because the only reason he kind of got in that weird leg entanglement, uh, it, he was, I, I believe there was a leg reap, which is typically the yeah, position you would go to Like, not in the IBJJF rules, like, you can't reap the knee at all, at, at all. Like, it's, 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 if your foot passes the hip at all uh, in those positions, it's an immediate DQ. Um, so, the no-gi and submission-only platforms, they don't you know, most of them do have heel hooks. So they didn't, they took out the heel hook submission, but they didn't take out like the, the leg entanglement position that you would use to get to a heel hook. So I think if you took if if you took out the leg reaping and the ability for people to reap the knee, uh, I, I think that that would save a lot of, uh, a lot of injuries and, and, and positional stuff. So I think if we tweaked it a little bit, we could make it a little bit safer for the fighter so that we're not ending up in these, these real funky positions. It could get us hurt, uh, leading up to a fight. Now, for those of us who have never rolled or our listeners who haven't rolled at all, what is exactly reaping and why did, why, why is that illegal in, in, in some tournaments? So a, a, a leg reap would be if I was on my back and I brought my legs around the outside uh, of someone's knee, forcing their knees inside but locking their hip, it puts your leg in a position where the bottom half of your leg can can be twisted and torqued on, but you can't. You can't like, you can't use the top half of your leg to take the pressure off of the ligaments and the joints. Oh. So, you know, when you do that, you want to lock down. When you're doing a leg submission, you want to lock down the high part of the, of their body so that you can turn and twist the bottom part of their leg without the top part moving. So that's essentially mm -hmm. how how you you tear the ligament or or break the knee 
to get someone to tap, right? So you have to be able to isolate the top part of their leg so that you can manipulate the bottom. And that's what the leg reap does. It isolates the, the top so that you can manipulate the bottom. So then you end up in these weird scrambles and these weird positions when people are trying to get out uh, when they have a part of their leg is isolated and the rest of it is moving. I mean, I think we all know what happens when you, you isolate the top and there's a, you know, there's a pin, there's a, you know, like a pivot point in the middle and you're mani- manipulating the bottom. That sounds nasty. That sounds it's so nasty. Nice. Everything you described, it was just horrible. <laughs> like our, our own, uh, go ahead, Anthony. Well, they're, they're, they're really, really technical, like real dynamic positions. So, mm-hmm. you know, not that I'm not going to put it on Cub and say like, oh, is, is this happened because this was his fault. I mean, it, it's, a, it's an accident. No one wants anyone to get hurt. No one's trying to hurt anybody. But he didn't exactly defend it a way, in a way that was going to keep him from being injured. Uh, yeah. And it, yeah. like when you start attacking the legs and people start pulling out and they just want to turn and twist and roll and run, that's when you're most in danger of being injured. Uh, those leg entanglement positions, you kind of just have to sit and chill and make sure that your feet are in the right position, that your hands are, are fighting the wrist, that your knees are turned the right way. That I mean, there's a lot of things that go into those leg entanglements. And, 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 and wrestlers and guys that scramble and, and end up in those positions, those are the guys that typically get hurt. Like, you got to kind of sit through and you got to work your way through those positions. This is good advice. I hope people are listening to this stuff because I'm sure there's a lot of people right now who are looking for hobbies, you know, not that they're kind of locked in and like just going on YouTube and probably finding, oh, jujitsu techniques. And I want to, I've always wanted to try jujitsu. I'm going to just find it on YouTube and then like probably doing kind of wild stuff like this. And like you said, maybe getting into positions that they don't understand and maybe panicking and possibly, you know, exacerbating the situation and injuring themselves. So, uh, yeah, to anyone watching, please preach caution. Uh, you know, it's cool. I think that, that people should try this. I'm sure, Anthony, I'm sure you did a lot of your early uh, training. And just kind of what I don't know if you're one of the early garage guys, you know, with your with your buddies just sparring the garage and rolling the garage stuff like that. But uh, if anyone out there want to try that stuff, listen to pros like Anthony and you know obviously other instructors out there, uh, and just be careful. I want to just be careful. Well said, Alex. But Casey, do we have any other questions from our fans that have come in, or we have any? <clears throat> what else we got? Uh, from longtime commenter Trumbo. Any discoveries on Fight Pass? I've been trolling the depths of Fight Pass from lockdown in Rome. Wow. Pride tournaments, the the Jose Aldo, Pancras fight, Unreal, the rise and fall of Big Rig. I'm not sure. There's more impressive run of welterweight. Found a lot of gold, good stuff that I'd forgotten. What are, you guys, what are you guys finding content for your work with no fight? So, Anthony, uh, I'll, I'll ask you this. Are, 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 I, obviously, you, you watch Fight Pass. You are a commentator. You watch a lot of tape, I would imagine. Uh, any other fights? That are forgotten fights, I should say. Everyone knows about Lawler uh, McDonald. Everyone knows about uh, Hendricks, GSP. They just saw the Wiley Zhang or Zhang Wiley, Yuan and Jechu fight, uh, the Izzy Gaslam fight. But any other forgotten fights out there that you think people uh, should go watch on Fight Pass now that they have so much time on their hands? Yeah, you know, actually, the other day, I, uh, I found myself watching the Kevin Randleman versus Crow Cop fight. Uh, and I completely Ooh, forgot. I completely <laughs> forgot that 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 Randleman knocked out Crow Cop, and it was and it was all off of a like a a series that started with Randleman dropping Crow Cop. And I think at that time, no one thought that there was a chance in hell that Randleman was ever going to be able to compete with no. Crow Cop on his feet. Uh, and then you know, of course, he drops him, and ends up finishing him and knocking him out on the ground. But uh, yeah, I caught myself watching that the other day, and I was like, oh my god, I forgot about this. You know, like I, you know. R.I.P. Kevin Randleman for sure. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, like just old pride fights. I, I loved the pride structure. I loved how the how the judging worked. I, I loved the ten minute first round. Um, I loved the you know the the warnings for for inactivity and and, and it sounds kind of barbaric, but I I wouldn't mind the whole no elbows, but soccer kicks and stomps and and it, like I it, the knees to the head on the ground like changed the game completely. Um, so I. I just like, I, I just really liked pride, you know, and, and, and that's kind of where my love for kind of the sport began was with rampage. Uh, and that's, that was, that oh, wow. was always been my favorite fighter. You know, like that's, I don't get like real starstruck or, or, or giddy over meeting people, but I, I would probably lose my shit if I met rampage. <laughs> Anthony, why do you think there is an aversion to uh, soccer kicks and uh, knees to the head of a grounded opponent when it comes to the unified rules like that are used in North America? What, 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 what is the, what's the taboo around those specific techniques? I don't know. I, I think it's a hundred percent aesthetics. I think, I think it just looks bad. Uh, but I think that the fights would be a lot more exciting and, and you know, to a lot of people, it doesn't make sense why they were, why there weren't elbows allowed in pride, but they could soccer kick and stomp. But typically those are like elbows for the most part. Obviously there's your outliers and there's, you know, times when this isn't going to be true, but elbows aren't fight finishing techniques for the most part. Usually it's, they just cut and it creates a lot of blood and the aesthetics of that in pride and for the people in pride, uh, or at least the spectators and the fans, they didn't want a lot of blood. It wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't, they weren't really into that. So that's why they pulled the elbows out. Now the, the knees to the ground of the opponent, and the, and the soccer kicks and the kicks to the head of grounded opponents are typically fight-ending series. So, I mean, if you catch a soccer kick or, or a big knee to a grounded opponent, it's probably just going to be one or two of those, and that's it, and the ref is going to step in. Uh, but it changes the entire dynamic of the fight. You know, you're not going to see so many wrestlers that are okay with just grabbing on a leg and hanging on to it for a while. I mean, how often do you see a guy got his hands clasped around one leg, and he's stretched out on his belly, and he's just holding on? There's no more of that if you start having knees to the head of a grounded opponent. Um, there's a lot of jujitsu guys that would have a, a, you know, like back in the day when they used to fight in geese, you get guys that would get into someone's guard and they would grab the, 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 the sleeves and the guy would be in his guard uh, on his knees and then you could just pull your legs up and then just start kicking him in the face. I mean, that's it, it. It just changes the entire dynamic, but it's hard to put soccer kicks head stomps and knees to the head of a grounded opponent on ESPN. Right. Yes. True. Yes. So I'll, I'll, I'll ask you this, Anthony, uh, is there any fights of yours from back in the day on fight pass that we can find uh, outside of the UFC? Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. There's some really old fights of mine on, on fight pass. Like there's some fights back in the victory days. I mean, there, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't typically talk about it, but like some of those, some of those performances are embarrassing, man. They're <laughs> awful. I think there's one of my amateur fights on there from like 2006. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was, any, it was embarrassing. Any, you said it's embarrassing, but are there any that you're actually proud of that fans can go watch? From back, from like, like the older ones? Yeah. No, 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 <laughs> no. no. I hate watching myself fight even now. Oh, Interesting. Even your even your first round knockouts that you've had recently, you don't you don't get a bit of a charge out of, out of watching rewatching those. No, I I just watch them and I just feel like I suck. <laughs> I don't know what wow. the deal is. Like I just point I just can point out every mistake, uh, and, and I can tell you exactly what I was thinking in each one of those situations, uh, why I did that, why I didn't do that, uh, and it's just fresh because when I'm in there, it feels like I'm doing a lot, 
when I watch it from the outside, it, it just seems like I'm not doing much, and it and it drives me crazy. It just I just tear myself apart watching myself fight. Oh well, that, that there goes our idea to maybe uh, maybe sit down with Anthony and run run through some of his highlights because apparently he doesn't he doesn't think he has any because <laughs> I think right. that'd be a great program to sure. go through your last like five six UFC fights and kind of like break it down. But again, you've had some super impressive highlights. But I guess uh, I know you're the one in there, and I know uh, you you fighters you hold yourselves to such a high standard, so I can understand like even a thirty second knockout, you might be like, well, I could have gotten in twenty, I could have gotten in fifteen right. if I if I'd done this. So, sure. uh, but yeah. But people would we would definitely love to hear your thoughts and your performances for sure. Yeah, I would totally do but that. You know, you... actually, me and uh, me and a couple, uh, a couple that we hang out with, me and my wife, they hadn't seen the, for whatever reason, they hadn't re- like rewatched the the Vulcan fight, mm-hmm. and it was wow. so terrible to watch. Like, <laughs> oh my god, what the hell are you doing? Like, get your shit together, man. Like, it was the most frustrating thing in the world. It was like. I don't know, man. It's tough to watch. I don't know why. <laughs> you won. Have you ever you won. impressed yourself? Have I ever? Have you? Yeah. Have you ever watched something and be like, wow, like, I like, I, I look pretty good right now? Um, the the one fight that I felt like, all right, you didn't completely embarrass yourself was when I fought Shogun. Yeah. But also, I know what I was thinking in some of those situations. So like. I mean, fighters are so self-deprecating, you know, like even the, the, the jab cross that I hit Shogun with, uh, that started off the whole series of finishing him. Uh, it it was, there was nothing like when I watch it, it it was a, it was like a, it was an anger reaction. It it wasn't, I didn't have anything in my head that was like, Oh, okay. I'm going to hit this one too. I'm going to draw back. He threw like a, a weird, like low hook to my body. And it just caught my floating rib and it just hurt really goddamn bad. You know, like it just, just the, the weird nerve pain it sent. So it was an anger reaction. Like it, it made me mad. And so I just pulled back. He hit me and my reaction was just to hit him back as hard as I could because I was angry about it. So it wasn't like I slipped a punch. I slipped out of the way and hit him with the counter. It just, he hit me and it pissed me off. You know, like that's really what it was. And so like, not like knowing that watching it everyone's like makes it seem like oh he just pulled out of range barely caught the body shot and then fired off talk about uh, whoa on there? Uh, I think David, we, oh, just yeah. had a, we just had a surge. Oh, sorry. Everything went blip. Everything You're back. Went. You're back. Are we right, back? So I was listening to Dominic Cruz, and I'm trying to remember the fight it was. Oh, it was Darren Till versus Kelvin Gasolin. Mm-hmm. And uh, Darren Till kept clinching every time Gasolin would come forward. And I, I don't think that that's what anyone expected. I think they expected Till to stay on the outside um, and Gasolin to try to get the fight to the ground. But Till was the one that was engaging. Uh, the grappling exchanges and and the clinch situations. And I heard Dominic Cruz say something like, Oh, I think Darren, I think Darren Till just wants to test Gaslam to see how strong he is. That's really smart. And I, and I was thinking like, do people actually do that? Cause I've never <laughs> ever been in a situation where I'm like, I just want to see how strong this guy is, or, or I, I want to clinch him just to see if he ragdolls me. Like, I don't, I don't know for sure. 
but I've never met any guy, uh, any fighter in my life that like their brain thinks like that. So even listening to Dan Hardy or Paul Felder call my fight uh, with Shogun, where Anthony's checking his distance, he's checking his range, he's seeing how fast, like, no, I'm not. I promise you, I'm not. I'm just trying to get in and get out without getting KO'd. That's it. That's as basic as it gets. My, I mean, my coaches walk me through the positions and, and the situations, but like, it may, maybe there is guys that do that, but I've never met one. So I, I just like, there's no, there's no like secret sauce of things that we're doing. Like if I'm fainting, I just want to see where your first reaction is. There's no like long drawn out plan that I have in my head. And, and maybe that's me again, that might just be me. But if like, if I'm fainting, I just want to see what hand is going to go first. Like it's that basic. Like if I faint and I see your right hand twitch, then I know chances are if I go, that's the hand that's coming my way. And that it, it's really that basic. There's no checking distance. There's no checking range. I'm not going to like draw a jab out of you to see if it hits me. Like I'm going to try to draw the jab out so I can counter it, but it's that basic. That's as far as it goes for me. Uh, so anyway, that was a long tangent on some weird stuff. But, no, that yeah. was, that was, that was, that was super fascinating yeah. to listen to. Have you, ever, have you yeah. spoken to any of the commentators and be like, yo, you were totally wrong on that one. Like you're, you obviously are an analyst yourself, but like if you're on the desk with Dan Hardy or Dominic Cruz, you're like, you were like, you hear them saying something like you were wrong on my fight. So I don't know what you're talking about in this fight. <laughs> no, I never have. Well, I've never worked, uh, worked the cage side stuff, uh, for the UFC before. So I, Honestly, I don't know. Like the media side, like you guys get it, the media side of stuff, like it's 80% real and 20% BS. So sometimes if there's nothing happening and you got Darren Till clinching every five seconds, like you got to kind of fill it with stuff, right? So, and, and maybe that's where Dominic was like, well, maybe this is what he's doing. Uh, but he, I, I don't think he is, <laughs> you know, like, but no one else knows that, you know, like you got to remember that when we're on this media side that we're not, we're not speaking to the, we're not speaking to the, the educated uh, we're not speaking to the educated fans. We're speaking to the the casual fan that needs to be educated on the positions that they're walking themselves through, right? So when I'm on the desk, I'm not talking to the hardcores that are hanging out on the underground. Those guys know what's going on and, and they're way ahead of me ninety percent of the time. So I'm, I'm I'm speaking to the people at home that are just tuning in that may not quite understand the logistics and and how the the, the politics work and and how the matchups go and so. I, I think sometimes I'm more critical of the of the commentators because I have a different mindset and I look at it differently. But I have to also remember that they're not speaking to me. Uh, they're they're speaking sure. to the average UFC fan that maybe maybe just clicking through and happen to catch us on ESPN. Casey, do you have any other questions for Mr. Anthony Smith? I know we've reached past the the halfway mark, but we've had good questions so far. Uh, here's uh, a good one. Here's a good one, not related to your fight, but uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on it. If Israel Adesanya goes on to beat Paulo Costa, Jared Cannonier, and Darren Till, does that make an argument for him being the middleweight GOAT? Anderson Silva would have more title defenses, but Izzy is, is would have title fight wins over much better competition at Gaslam, Whitaker, Romero, Costa, Cannonier, and Till. So uh, if Israel Adesanya does face Paulo Costa next, like everyone believes, and beats him, and then goes on to beat Jared Cannonier and Darren Till, this is assuming they don't fight each other and knock off each other in the next fight, I, I would imagine. Is there an argument that Israel Adesanya has passed Anderson Silva as the greatest middleweight of all time? And by the way, Anthony, you're former division, so I don't know if you yes. ever had dreams of fighting Anderson Silva someday, but uh, I imagine that would give you some a different perspective on this question. Um... It depends on what your, it depends on what your, 
the word I'm looking for here? Like, like what your requirements are to be the sure. greatest of all time. Um, you, like you can't look at, at wins that Anderson Silva had however many years ago and then compare those wins to the ones that Israel has now. Izzy has a, especially if he goes on that run, uh, you know, that, 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 that question talks about, like Cannoneer, Till, Costa, like that's an incredible run. Uh, it definitely puts him in the conversation. But I don't think you compare those guys to the guys that Anderson Silva beat because at the time, those were the best guys. You know, like Damian Maya is still ranked in the in the top 10 and one of those wins was over Damian when he was a killer you know and mm-hmm. you know Anderson moved up to 205 and and, and beat Forrest Griffin and, and beat James Irvin and you know he beat Travis Luter on the ground which which I don't think anybody expected at the time no. you know like Travis Luter is a monster on the ground uh and he definitely was back then he beat Rich Franklin twice like I I just I don't think you can use the wins per se, uh, to, to, to lift one of those guys over the other. What I go back to is that, you know, a, a, a dated aging 40 something year old Anderson Silva was in a very, very close with Israel Adesanya not that long ago. Um, so, you know, you, you rewind that seven or eight years and what does that fight look like? And when they're both in their primes, I don't know. Uh, but I think what, what Anderson did for the sport and, and how he elevated it, uh, and, and, and just brought everybody in. And, and, and I mean, I was talking about this a couple weeks ago, actually, like an Anderson Silva fight back in the day was like a spectacle. It you know, was. Like, when, like when the lights dropped and there was the yellow like accessory lights and then you heard DMX come on like, holy shit, man, that was wild. You know, like it didn't matter if you were in the arena or you were at home, like you could feel how serious an Anderson Silva fight was like it was it was it an Anderson Silva fight just hit differently it was just it was different you know it didn't feel like a GSP fight it didn't feel you know even like a John Jones fight it did like any of the greats you can think of like Anderson Silva fights just felt different uh right before and and, and as he was walking out it was just you never knew what was going to happen like sometimes it, you know honestly like the Talos ladies fight like it could suck uh, but if Anderson Silva showed up, uh, it was going to be bananas. And uh, you know, I, I'm always going to put Anderson Silva as the middleweight, as the middleweight goat. Uh, but Israel is definitely chipping away at that quickly. Uh, Anthony, what about the da- what do you think about uh, Adesanya? Adesanya's dancing though. It's like he's had some pretty. I mean, you mentioned how important it is to ha- make a moment, right? He had the dancing before the Whitaker fight. He had the 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 flower petals before uh, his recent title defense. So I think some people would argue that he is, you know, uh, as far one of the better champ stars today, as far as creating a moment. Does that re- does that sort of stuff resonate with you, or did you kind of enjoy the more? I don't want to say understated, but I guess, you know, I don't remember Anderson using like props as much and stuff with his entrances. So what do you think of like, you know, all the extra kind of pomp and circumstance that uh, Adesanya adds to his entrances? You know, I, th- I think that they're on very similar trajectories, to be honest with you. If you remember some of those pride days, remember when he danced? Yeah, he did uh, the oh, Michael yeah, Jackson. Michael he, did Jackson the Michael, he did the Michael Jackson thing. And, yeah. and so it's it's kind of cool to see the, the, the similarities in, in both of those guys, you know, and, and I think as Israel – goes on, I think we're going to see some of those situations because Anderson Silva had his boring fights. You know, we're going to talk, I mean, everyone's like real, real quick to just trash on Israel for the Romero fight. Uh, 
I never really hated on him. Like, it's not the most exciting fight in the world, but how else do you beat Yoel Romero? You know, like, that's, you got to do what you got to do to get a W, and I get that. Um, you know, but Anderson had the, 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 the performances with, uh, with Talos Ladies that wasn't very great. You know, he had the, Patrick Cote. Patrick Cote. He had, you know, Damien. They, he had a couple bad performances and still was able to get wins. Um, and I think that Israel is going to have one or two more of those. That's just how it's going to go because of the styles of some of these guys. But I do think that he's going to starch a couple guys and he's going to get guys out of there quick, fast, and in a hurry like he already has several times. And then I think you're going to start feeling those those weird moments before Israel walks out when he is dancing. And, and I think as he gets older, he's going to be more cerebral in some of his approaches. And, th- and that's what changed in Anderson. As he got older and, and, and a little bit more mature, the dancing stopped and, and the seriousness turned on. Uh, and and it, he became very – like his aura almost became bigger than he was. You know, He was just like this – serial killer dude just rolled out starched people like Forrest Griffin and then walked out and didn't say much you know it was uh, I, I I definitely can see Israel going on that path and I do like the dancing I think it's part of his brand it's part of why people like him uh and he just is who he is you know like if you see an interview uh on you know if they put Israel on Ellen DeGeneres you're gonna get the same Israel that would go on Luke Thomas's show dropping the f-word you know yeah. like that's just I, and I like that about Izzy, man. I, I, I like he just is who he is, and and and, the, and he's a pretty goddamn good dancer. Uh, I'm a little bit jealous of that because I have zero moves. <laughs> well, I was gonna say I, I I would like to see Anthony your next fight. Maybe you know you're gonna especially it's gonna if it happens in your hometown, you got to put on a little bit of a show, a little Nebraska shuffle. I don't know if that's a thing, but you know. You know, I, I, I just don't. I don't think I need to be embarrassing myself. <laughs> that's for sure. Now, I'll pose this question to you. This just popped into my head. Um, the, the the three people that people kind of call the go, I'll, I'll say four, usually like Fedor, John Jones, George St. Pierre, Anderson Silva. Uh, after Anderson's, uh, I don't want to say he fell off because like age catches up to everyone. Uh, but he's still, like you said, hanging in there for three rounds of Israel Adesanya, so he's obviously not lost too much of a step. But it kind of came down to between John and George. Uh, George going up to middleweight and capturing that belt against Michael Bisman kind of gave him a step up. Uh, and the, his John Jones' last few performances, maybe people are saying he's not as dominant as he was. Maybe he's not the greatest of all time. Uh, do you, What do you make of that argument that uh, John has taken himself out of the running based on his last two, like his three performances, even against you, against Tiago Santos, against Dominic Reyes, who a lot of people thought Dominic Reyes won. In our, our YouTube comments, whenever we post John Jones stuff, we blo- it blows up with Santos 125 Reyes, one, two, three, one, two, three. So uh, I'll ask you two part questions. Has John taken himself out of the running for being the greatest last few performances? Uh, And do you think Thiago Santos and Dominic Reyes, uh, if they had read the scorecards for them, was, did they deserve those wins if they had gone their way on the judges scorecards? You know, I, I hate answering this question because I hate having to stick up for John Jones. Uh, I just, I hate having to do it, but I, I'll put my my analyst hat on, and and let's just look at the names and the numbers. Now, GSP has has a phenomenal has a phenomenal resume. I mean, you look at those guys; they're it's the murderers row. But if you look at John Jones's win column, it's one of the most incredible, impressive streak of wins of anybody that's ever even thought about doing this. Uh, 
he, he's working his way through a second generation of fighters and just now beating people his own age. Like, it, it, it's, it, it's frustrating, to be honest with you, uh, that, he's, that he's so talented uh, and, and has had some of the issues that he's had. Uh, I mean, he has Rampage, Chael Sonnen, Shogun Hua, Machida. Uh, I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. And, and like, I don't think a win over Tiago Santos, Dominic Reyes, and Anthony Smith should take you out of any running. I mean, that's that's three hammers. And, I'll, and I, I know I'm talking about myself, but th- that's three three fights. There's there's not one person other than John Jones that could beat all three of those guys. Right. It's, there's not. There's not one person that could do that uh, other than him. I, I just think I think that the 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 hiccups and the and the mistakes that he's made. And, and some of the bad media and some of the dumb stuff that he's done makes it even that much more impressive. Uh, I, I, I've been telling these young guys, you know, I'm at my at the gym right now and I've told these guys for the last five years that if you don't have your personal life together, that you're never going to be successful at a high level in this sport. And I've stuck to that. And John Jones makes me a liar every single time I say it because he's, he doesn't. He doesn't have any of it together and he still finds a way to win. He's just that talented, you know. It, with the the stuff that have come, then GSP takes that crown for sure. But if we're talking strictly wins and losses and X's and O's, um, John Jones is gonna. We're gonna have to put John Jones above GSP every time. The only person that that even comes close to that is is Demetrius Johnson, and and. The problem with Demetrius Johnson is is we can't use the strength of schedule. The strength of schedule is what usually puts John Jones above anybody else in the go mm-hmm. talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's what I'm using right now to put him above GSP. Because technically, I think GSP and Demetrius Johnson are more well-rounded, more technical, and, and just overall better fighters than John Jones. Uh, the competitor and, and the, the way that John Jones is able to implement his game plan is what is what puts him above those guys. But as far as like, if we're just looking at straight techniques, punches, kicks, takedowns, jujitsu, GSP and Demetrius Johnson are the much better fighters. So even though, like you said, there's been some unfair criticism of John's in cage performances, but you know that's what people are going to say when he goes five rounds with, and you know he's the champ. He goes five rounds with anyone, and it's not dominant. People are going to ask, okay, well, what's wrong with John Jones? Uh, as opposed to necessarily giving credit to yourself and his other opponents. Um, but did you see anything in your fight with him or, again, his fight with Dominic or his fight with Tiago that makes you think, man, in the next year, the next 18 months or so, he's vulnerable? And, and one of these guys coming up, whether it's you know uh, Jan Blachowicz or someone else, is do you, do you think he's, he's going to get knocked off based on what you've seen in those last three fights? For sure. For sure. And listen, John, John is human. He's always vulnerable. Um, I think that you know, everyone keeps saying that like John Jones has fallen off. Like, I don't think he is. I, I don't think he is at all. I don't think John has lost anything. I think some things have changed in John's approach. I think some things have changed in 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 how other people are approaching him. But it, like John's thirty three years old. It's not like he's he's some aging dinosaur that's that's falling off. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, are some of the lifestyle stuff that that John chooses to to take part in? probably tougher to do at 33 than they are at 23 and still compete at a high level? Possibly. 
Um, or are, are the miles racking up on John Jones? I mean, how many five round title fights has John Jones had? Yeah. I mean, how many, how many, how many training camps has he gone through for five round title fights? I mean, miles and miles and, and, and like the miles in the year of the vehicle make a difference, you know, like you might be a Corvette, but if you're a 2015 Corvette with 400,000 miles on it, that you, you know, like you're still, you still got a lot of miles on it. Yep. Um, so, but I also think that as John is getting older, he's, he's making better decisions, but I think that those decisions are making his fights tougher. If that makes any sense. Hmm. Um, when I was preparing for John Jones, I was, I was expecting, and, there, and there's a lot of other things that went into that fight with John Jones and, 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 and I've never been the type of person to make excuses, so I'm never going to talk about it, but, um, I was preparing for the wild, crazy spinning stuff, the unpredictability, like the, just the, the crazy John Jones. And that's not what I got. That's not what I got at all. I got the John Jones that was very content shutting me down. And I mean, you can talk all the trash you want about my performance against John Jones, but he didn't do that much either. Uh, you know, the, it takes two to make an exciting fight and he wasn't mm-hmm. willing to have, and he wasn't willing to have one. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, and that's just how it is. If I don't, if I don't have an opening. It was like, I did a lot of waiting and waited for an opportunity and it never came because he didn't give me one. And, and, and credit to him. That's what he's supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't take a lot of chances in the Dominic Reyes fight. He didn't take a lot of chances in the Tiago Santos fight. And I think people are just now starting to get used to this new style of John Jones. I think some of it's maturity. I, I think some of it is, I think he's cleaned him. I think he's cleaned his lifestyle up a little bit. And, and I don't think that he's as wild and crazy personally as he used to be. And I think that it shows in his fight style. Mm-hmm. I know this, uh, I know this guy, and I'm not going to give you a name or anything, but this dude was batshit crazy when he fought. Like, he, but he was dealing, you know, he's always dealt with addiction problems and and had a crazy lifestyle, partied super hard, and then this dude would just get in the, you get in the cage, and then just go off, and it was like the craziest, high flying, most exciting fights you'll ever see in your whole life. Then he gets sober, he gets cleaned up, there's no more partying, there's no more drugs, there's no more alcohol. And this dude can't win a fight to save his life because he doesn't like some of that. They, they go kind of hand in hand, you know, like, like he, he couldn't, because he wasn't living the crazy lifestyle he once did. And he was, wasn't crazy personally anymore. He couldn't do it in the, in, in the cage anymore. Like he used to, and he just fell off. He can't do it anymore. You know? And then, you know, he, he'd have a couple relapses and then he'd fight and he'd be right back to his old self. But when he's clean, sober and living the right way, he, he couldn't do it. He just could it, it just didn't work. Uh, so some of, and, and I'm not saying that that's what's going on with John Jones. I'm saying yeah, yeah. as you get older, your lifestyle slows down a little bit. You're a little bit less crazy as you used to be. Uh, I think that some of that translates into your fight style. Yeah. And that's, that sounds crazy. Like the, both the person you mentioned and what's going on with John, just that, that balance, you know, uh, there's good balance, there's bad balance. And then trying to, trying to have it all together and then, you know, having to perform on fight night. That sounds, I mean, you know, again, we can't even imagine what that dynamic is like, but, uh, that, that glimpse you kind of just gave us is, well, is, is, is eye opening. I, yeah. I think you see it a lot in, in, in other guys. Like, look at, look at Donald Cerrone. Like if you can't look at that guy and say that his lifestyle matches his fight style, like, that's just, that's who he is, you know? And like my, my fight style for the most part has matched my lifestyle as I've gone, you know, like when I was a young, when I was a young, a younger guy, I was nuts, you know, like I, 
I did this like that's why I never talk trash about John Jones. Like it take a 15 second Google search for you guys to figure out that I've been in a drinking and driving accident, that I've been to jail, that I've made all the mistakes. The difference is what you do after that and 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 how you move forward and and how do you better your life. So like if you go back and you watch some of those fights, they're they look awful, but they're just chaos because that's what my life was at the time. And then as I got a little bit I got older, I started having kids. You know, I had a hard time finding that balance like I kind of went on, you know, went on a losing streak there when I got cut from the UFC and then I lost right after that and lost to Hodger Gracie. Like I was a new dad. I was like trying to figure out who I was as a person. I got this baby, but I'm still like trying to punch people in the face for money. Like it's, it's a weird balance that I couldn't figure out. And then I I eventually figured it out, you know, and like my lifestyle now is still pretty crazy, but it's in a different way, you know, like um, instead of going out and, and having crazy parties and doing crazy, crazy rad stuff. I'm, you know, like I, I get my adrenaline rushes from hunting or riding razors and, and climbing, you know, going to rock crawling and, and just all sorts of crazy stuff. So I still get that same adrenaline rush. I just do it different way. So like, I think you're exactly right. Like finding that balance is, is tough. And, and unfortunately for guys like John Jones, he had to do it on the fly, just like I did. The only difference between our our stories is his was in front of the media, in front of the yeah. entire world. He had to grow up in front of the entire world while doing it. You know, like we were mm-hmm. like when I started fighting, I was 17. So I had to figure it out. Like I was going from a boy to a man all at the same time while like learning on the fly, uh, like like this whole fight game. And like I didn't have a dad to to guide me through and, and to teach me the way and, and like the game was different here in the Midwest and there wasn't a whole lot of like, OGs that were going to take you under their wing and teach you how it was supposed to, how you were supposed to do it, you know? So like, even for me, like, I can't imagine what John Jones had to deal with. Like people were throwing a couple thousand dollars at me once or twice a month to go fight. And I thought I was a rock star, you know? And I was like 19 years old, 20 years old. <laughs> and, and like, you know, $3,000 to, to win a fight when you're 20 years old, make you, you're like, okay, well I'm famous now. And, you know, and that's how you, you know, that's how you go about it. So like, I can't imagine having millions of dollars thrown at you when you're like 22 years old and then having a camera in your face and on Fox and, and like, you're just, you're the dude, you're the, you're the man. And then you have to figure it out on the fly. Like, man, that's tough. That's super tough. I mean, I think we, we spoke to Israel Adesanya before, during his fight before Yolo Romero, and we asked something similar, and he goes, I've made a lot of mistakes, too. The difference was, I, this, was his, this was his quote, not mine. He goes, I wasn't 23, young, dumb, and full of cum in front of the camera. Uh, I've made all my, my mistakes off the camera. Uh, and I learned uh, from John, watching from John Jones not what to do uh, when I become champion. Um, but we are running. We, we are out of time. Uh, Anthony, thank you so much for joining us. And as always, uh, the guest of the hour gets to plug, promo, whatever they want. We surprisingly didn't get many questions on your upcoming fight. Uh, I think a lot of the questions were regarding uh, the coronavirus and everything or just how you're dealing with life. Uh, but as always, as, as, however much time you want, plug whatever you want, Anthony. Uh, you know, I just I want to give a shout out to the fans. I know that this is a, this is a really tough time with the coronavirus, and I know that there's not a lot of sports that are going on right now. Like There's, there's nothing, you know, so – uh, you know, I would probably say just do your best to support your fighters. You know, like I think fighters are definitely having uh, one of the tougher times when it is compared to other athletes. Obviously, there's people that are in everyday life uh, that have it a whole lot worse than most of us do. So um, check on your family, check on your friends, 
and 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 just stay tuned. I think we'll figure this out. I really do. Um, and I hope that I get the opportunity to uh, to to entertain you guys, even even if it's going to bring a couple minutes of happiness uh, to this crazy time. And I hope I get the opportunity to do that. Well, thank you so much, Anthony. We'll have to have you on uh, after your fight. Hopefully it happens. Uh, hopefully you and Mackenzie, who was on earlier, get to fight uh, Lincoln Nebraska, especially you. I know I, we spoke after your fight in Chicago and you said you were hoping for that quick turnaround fight the first time they went to Lincoln, Nebraska, but you missed out on that. Hopefully you get you don't get to miss out on it again due to a pandemic uh, this time right. because of for. If we're losing Habib Tony to a pandemic for a fifth time, and you're losing the fight in Lincoln, Nebraska to a pandemic. I don't know what we're going to do. I <laughs> know. No kidding. All right. Well, you guys take care of yourself. Uh, and thanks for having me on. Thanks, thanks Anthony, guys. Thanks. Yeah. Yep. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. From data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, The Current Report is there for you. Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts.